Say something kind to the person around you that is not your spouse or your dad or your kid. I love you too. Pat said he loves me. Is that a good day? Let's, let's go ahead and open in prayer and then we'll get, get into worship. Let's pray. Father. We are glad that we can gather together to honor your name. It is because of Jesus Christ that we want to make sure that you know how much we love you and appreciate you and care for you and care for each other. So, Father, we just pray that today that you are honored by our hearts. Father, to me, today is a special uh, moment in time for this church, and I'm excited for what you have to share with them. Lord, open their hearts up. Lord God, not that they're closed, but just open them up that they might receive the truth from you that gives them freedom for life. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. let's worship. darkness tries to roll over my bones when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own when brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken I won't be shaken cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captive to I'm not afraid to leave my past behind No, I won't be shaken I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance Power that can save 
before my first breath running into Awesome to have a father like that that we can run to all the time. Proverbs 11:24 says, "One gives freely, yet grows all the richer; another withholds what he should give and only suffers want." I'm going to read that one more time because I believe the scripture. I believe when God says something, He means it, and He wants us to understand the truth of it. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer; another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us into your house safely today, and we are so blessed by your presence here today. Thank you for your love and your mercy that you have on us, Father, that you are a Father that we can run to again and again and again. We believe the book of Proverbs, and I pray that everyone here would look into their hearts and act in obedience to your word so that they can receive the blessings of what you promise. May, may we not give to become richer, though we may give because we simply love you. Accept these tithes and offerings that we give today because we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Join me with that. We love you, Lord. Let him know. Let him know you love him, that you trust him, that you rely on him, that you believe in him. We love you so. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's go to the third song.
safe here with me There's no need to cover what I already see You've got your reasons but I hold your peace You've been all locked down and I hold the key Cause I loved you before You knew it was love I saw it all Still I chose the cross You were the one That I was thinking of When I rose From the grave Now rid of the shackles My victory's yours I tore the veil So you could come close There's no reason to stand At a distance anymore You're not far from Oh, I'll be your lighthouse when you're lost at sea. And I will illuminate everything. No need to be frightened by intimacy. Just throw off your fear and come running to me. chose the cross you were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave now rid of the shackles my victory's yours I tore the veil for you to come close there's no reason to stand at a distance anymore you're not far from thinking of when I rose from the grave 
My victory's yours. I tore the veil for you to come close. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from home. I loved you before. You knew it was love. And I saw it all. Still I chose the cross. You were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Now rid of the shackles, my victory's yours. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from dismiss the uh, kids today keeping the teens with me today so we're dismissing the kids at this time y'all got quiet you may be seated teens just so you know this summer every so often I'm gonna preach something to you or teach something to you that if somebody would have told me when I was a teenager it would have changed my life so I've got things that I've taught before. Some of you are going to say, well, you've taught that before. That's okay. You can hear it again. The teens probably haven't heard it because I'm old and I've been in ministry longer than the teens have been alive. So, so if someone would have told me is the series, and it's not going to be consistent every week. It's going to be just every once in a while I'm going to throw one in there, so I'm going to keep the teens with me. And I need the teens to pay attention the best they can. Because this could change your life. I believe it with all of my heart. This could change everything for you and your future right now. So before I get into it, um, if you're a writer, like you like to write notes, there's two things I've put out here for you. I've got some handouts. They're just single page handouts that will help you. You can come grab one now if you want. Or you can wait until we're done and, and you can get one out on the... Um, the uh, information desk. So if you want one now, now's, now's the time. Speak now or forever hold your peace if you're a writer.
Because I know how some people take notes. Some people don't want notes. Some people just want to hear the teaching. And then later they're going to say, I wish I had notes. And this sermon has two parts. It's actually not even a sermon. It's a teaching, which last week I blasted you guys on what preaching is. And now I'm teaching, so I'm, I'm a fickle one. One day I want to preach, so one day I want to teach. But this uh, moment has two, uh, time, two sections in it. One of them is the, the teaching, and then I'm going to illustrate it, and I'm going to use my own life to illustrate it. Now, I thought about asking one of you to illustrate it, but it's, this is actually a truth that can be very painful if you're not careful. It can be very painful if you're not careful. So I'm going to warn you, you're not going to want to get up and walk out. If you have to go that bad, hold it. I'm just saying. You're going to want to, you're going to, want to be careful. So I'm going, to, I'm going to randomly do this for the teens, um, things I've learned over time. And the first one is I want the teens to know or live in their true self. Not what society says they are, not what their hurts say they are, not what even their parents say they are, if their parents say they're wrong. I want them to know how to live life in the way that God created them to be. It's one of the most powerful yet painful doctrines that I've ever learned. And so I'm going to invite you on this journey, but I'm going to teach you, what I'm going to teach you today will probably require more than a Sunday morning. So Deborah hasn't volunteered yet, but I know she will. And we're going on vacation, so it's going to be a couple of weeks before we can work on this. But if I stir something up in you that you think you need to have a private session with Deborah and I, we will be more than happy to set that up and meet with you and process this truth in your life. It's the best way to do it, but I, I want to make it public because I think you need to know this truth. So let's start with a thought. Well, no, let's start with prayer. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> Father, I know this. I don't have to hide because of Jesus Christ. And I know that I am safe with you. The person that you created is safe. No matter how much damage the world has tried to do to me, no matter how much hate Satan has, has for me, I know that you love me. So encourage our hearts to hold that truth today that we are loved by you and we are cared by you. And Father, this truth can go deep if we take it that way. And it can be life-changing if we want it to be. Help us to do that. We love you so in Jesus we pray and all God's people said... Let's start with this thought. Do you remember when everything was good in your life? Like everything was good. And, and I'm, I'm using the term a moment of innocence. Like when you were innocent. Like you didn't know good or evil. You didn't know wrong. You didn't know pain. You didn't know hurt. You didn't know suffering. And some of you might say, man, I was really small when I was that innocent. And that might be true. Some of you, I, I, I went through this process. I actually came down to go through the sermon on yesterday. And there was a, a young lady and her husband who were here. And we, we kind of walked her through the process. And she uh, couldn't remember a time when she felt innocent. Her first memories of life were life of hurt. So for some of you, that might be true. Some of you, you may have had this great childhood. And then you, you met somebody and the relationship was innocent until it stopped being innocent. So it could be that level. It could be multitudes of things. But just, just remember a time, if you can, when everything was good. 
And I'll give you the biblical references. Genesis chapter 3 and verse, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Which starts out by saying, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, male and female, male and female, he created them. I just read in the Bible. <laughs> and God blessed them, male and female. I'm just not trying to be mean. I'm just reading what the scripture says. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and catch lots of them and put them in your boat and get lots of money to tithe to the church. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's, I read it. I read it. Have dominion over the fish. Don't let those fish rule you. Over the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth, elk, deer, cows, pigs. I wouldn't say horses. That would, that's more of a European thing. Okay. I lost my place. Over everything that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit and you shall have them for food and to every beast of the field and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth everything that has breath of life I have given every green plant for food I got an issue there with that my wife tries to do that to me all the time too and it was so and God saw everything that he made and behold it was very good it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. And if you go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says, And man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. They were both naked and not ashamed. They were innocent. Remember, uh, if you're a parent, and remember when your little kids were really little and they would run through the house naked and they, they would giggle the whole time? And then they became teenagers and you don't want to see them run through the house naked. It's just not appropriate. But there was a time when it was cute, when it was funny, but now not so much. But there was a time of innocence. They were innocent. They, let me say it this way, they didn't know evil. Do you remember a time when you didn't know evil? Innocence is that place where we trust, where we believe, we have hope, where we just don't know wrong. It's a very good place to live life. Remember that time in your life, maybe when you were really young? Maybe when you were dating, things were innocent? There was a time when everything was good, a time when everything you knew was pure and perfect. And some of you are having trouble remembering that time. Because of this. There's a moment where everything changed. I call it the wound. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, the scripture says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say, just to help you, when somebody questions what the Bible says, they're usually working for Satan, not for the Savior. Did God actually say, You shall not eat of the fruit of the trees, any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So there's a wound that happened here. A wound is an act of sin that we commit or is committed against us. 
It's something that takes away our innocence. Adam and Eve had this innocence with God. They were naked and not ashamed. And then all of a sudden, Satan says, hey, God's keeping something from you. Let me make this statement. Satan is the source of every wound that has ever happened to you and will be the source of every wound that ever happens to you, ever. He may use humans for that, but it's, he is the source. His purpose is to hurt you in such a way that innocence dies. He wants to hurt you in such a way that innocence dies. Its purpose is to cause pain. Now I'm going to say something that some of you may not like, but this is true. Notice when you're a couple and you first get married and there's this innocence, you know this person will never betray me and then that person betrays you. I can say this, I have total faith, I have innocence in my marriage because my wife has never betrayed me in, in my marriage. But if adultery were to occur, it would break that trust and innocence would die. And I can still process the pain and, and get through it and we'll talk about how to do that. But that's where that innocence dies. And you, you, you have trouble trusting again. Or you have a parent who should be taking care of you and should be nurturing you and should be loving you and should be bringing you up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then they don't love you the way that they should. You have a mother that doesn't love you the way that all mothers should. That, that you know how mothers should love their children, but you don't feel that love from your mother. And so you, your innocence dies. That's what Satan wants to do. What was the specific wound to Eve? God is hiding something from me. God is hiding something from me. The serpent said to the woman, You're not, you'll not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. God's keeping evil from me. How many of you would be better off if you never knew evil? I say that all the time. But if you never had to experience anything evil, how much better would your life be? Like, if you never had to experience hurt and hate and anger and bitterness, how much happier would your life be? Yet Eve said, God's hiding something from me. I need to know what evil is. That's why I don't like watching the news. I don't like looking on the computer to find out what's going on in the world because it's just pure evil. And my innocence gets lost every time I watch TV. God's hiding something from me. And now the problem with a wound is a wound speaks to you. But it speaks to you. I call it the lie. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. Oops, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to say it that way. The wound speaks to you and, it, and it's really called the lie. And, and it's a wound's message that we take personal. The wound, when we get hurt, when somebody hurts us, when we hurt ourselves, it speaks to us in that moment. The lie was she needed to know wrong. And you know that you don't need to know wrong. You know that you don't need to feel, experience wrong to know what wrong is. And yet, God, uh, Satan said, you're, you're missing out. God broke my trust by keeping wrong from me. What kind of a God would not give me wrong? He gave me this garden. He gave me this, this life. He gave me this spouse. He gave me this future. He gave me this, this, all the food I could eat, all the fish I could catch. Life is good. But I got to know wrong. 
So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, to know evil, she took of the fruit and ate and gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. I'm going to say this again and again and again. How many of you would be happier if you never experienced wrong? See, innocence dies in the wound of the wrong. When God said, you'll surely die, that's what he's saying. Is that you're gonna, something's going to die in you that shouldn't be dead. Your innocence shouldn't die. How many of you, when you're raising your children, just wish they could always stay that cute little innocent child? And you want them to be that person their whole life. And, and then they turn 16 and the world turns upside down. And, and then you lose your innocence with your kids. So we have a wound. We, well, we have innocence. And then we have Satan giving us a wound. And the wound creates a lie. It tells us something that's not true. And in the lie, because of the lie that we feel, we make a vow. I'm going to put all these pieces together. We make a vow. A vow is a resolution we make to never allow the wound to happen again. How many of you have said that? I got hurt. I don't ever want to feel that pain again. So to not feel that pain, I'm going to do this. So that somebody doesn't hurt me, I'm not going to have anything to do with people. Because then, because people hurt me. So I'm going to separate from people. And I'm going to live my life separated from people. Which creates other problems because you become lonely. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. The Bible says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. And that it was a delight to the eyes of the tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And what she said was, God's not going to keep evil from me. I'm going to take it into my own hands. And I'm going to protect myself from God. Which was the lie that. She needed to know evil that came from the wound that Satan put in her life. Because of this wound and believing the lie, she made a vow to take control of her own life, even giving it to her husband. Meaning that your wounds, ladies, that become a lie that you make a vow of will hurt your spouse, your husband, your wife, your kids. And you don't even know you're doing it. You're just trying to survive. You've been wounded. You're just trying to figure out how can I survive this wound, this hurt, this pain, this suffering. And you believe the lie and you make a vow and it impacts people around you. The lie is God, the, the lie is God is keeping something from me. And it's coming from a place where, where life was really good and innocence. The vow she made was that I won't let God keep me from knowing wrong. The vow then becomes the human way to cover the pain of a wound. Hold on to that truth real quick. The vow we make becomes the, our human way to cover the pain of our wound. Because we don't know how to deal with this wound that happened to us. Whether it was somebody that wounded us or whether it was us that wounded ourselves. We don't know how to deal with that. So we believe the lie and we make a vow so it never happens again. Genesis 3, 7 says, Then the eyes of them were both opened, and they, were and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now they know they're naked. 
their innocence is gone. Now they recognize they need to cover themselves up because it's embarrassing, it's a shame, it's sad, it's, it's, it's scary. My vow is a cover for the wound. See, a vow is a coping mechanism to keep us from experiencing the wound ever again. And it's created out of a lie that was spoken to you from the wound that was done to you. I'm going to say that one more time because I think it's important to grab a hold of. The vow is a coping mechanism to keep us from ever experiencing the wound again, but it's created out of a lie that was spoken to you from the wound that was done to you. Are you with me this morning? This is really deep, but it's going to get shallow really quickly. Because what happens is this changes you. When you lose your innocence, it changes you. You're no longer that innocent person that you were. Now you're a different person. There was a time where they lived in innocence. They lived in trust and faith and belief. And everything in the garden was very good. This was a good life. Life was great. Then the wound happened and they changed. How did they change? Well, I just about got, got ahead of myself. This is important. In your innocence, you are the essence of God's perfect creation. In your innocence, you are in the Garden of Eden with God and everything is good and everything is very good and life is good and your marriage is good and things are good and your children are good and everything's just this awesome life. In your innocence, you are the essence of God's perfect creation. In your vow, you become the essence of the wound. You become that which the wound did to you. It changes you. Are you with me? For Adam and Eve, this change, this change is similar to what we experience when we are wounded. They became fearful. Where they were once confident in themselves, now they're fearful. Genesis 3.8, the Bible says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Remember when you were fearless? Or maybe you can't even remember that, but there was a time where you were fearless. Like you had no fear at all. God was walking in the cool of the day. You were like, let's go see God. This is awesome. But now you're fearful. Remember life before anxiety? Remember life before anxiety? Before you felt anxious? Remember when you liked yourself? You were proud of yourself? You had no fear of yourself? But now you're fearful of everything that you are and everyone around you. And you become shameful. Where they were once confident in themselves to walk with God, they hid their true selves. Before they were naked and not ashamed, and after the wound, they were naked and ashamed. So before they were naked and not ashamed, and now because of the wound that happened to them, they're naked and ashamed. But the Lord God called to the man and he said, where are you? And he said, I heard you in, the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Remember life before you had to hide your true self, like you were okay with you and now you're not so okay with you? Because you've been wounded and you believed a lie and you made a vow and it began to change you and now you're shameful. You're ashamed of yourself. I wonder how many of you would be honest and say, and don't raise your hands, please. 
How many of you be honest and say, I'm, there's times that I'm really ashamed of me. I don't like me. You become blameful. When wounded, we often, in shame and fear, change who we were created to be to cover the lie that we were told, and we begin to blame others for why we become the way we have. And this will make sense here in a little bit. Genesis 3.11, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman you gave to me to be, gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. It's that woman you gave me. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So Adam blamed his wife. Where he once said this about her, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of the man. Thank you, God, for giving me this wife. She's hot. This is awesome. This is the greatest thing. I can't believe you waited to the last to create her because she's the greatest creation you could ever make. And now he's blaming her. It's that woman you gave me. He had never blamed her for anything before. And all of a sudden, this is new. This is the first time that she felt his blame on her. Eve blamed Satan. Though Satan wounded her and she believed the lie and made the vow and changed herself, Eve said, I've been deceived. But she was deceived by a liar. How many of you know somebody who just lies all the time? And you still try to believe anything that they say. But you know they're a liar. And then you get blamed for them. Well, they told me a lie. Well, that's who they are is a liar. I had a brother-in-law who could not tell the truth about anything. He lied all the time. He would make up stories to cover stories to cover stories. And he'd get lost in his stories. And, and it was so confusing, I got lost in his lies. And I wanted to trust him. And I wanted to believe him. But the truth is, he was a born liar. Why, why do we trust people that they just lie? Why would you trust anything that Satan had to say? Why would you trust him? He is a liar and the father thereof. And yet we believe his lies when he speaks about us. Why are we surprised when a lie hurts us? But what's interesting to me is both blame God. It's the woman you gave me. Eve says, it's Satan. and It's the serpent. And you created the serpent. How many times do you blame God for your own sin? How many times do you blame God for your life? How many times do you blame God for wounds that God never wounded you on? But we say, God, it's what you did. It's what you're doing. It's why I'm in this position because you're not taking care of me. Because you're not being the God you're supposed to be. I'm in this because of you. You can sit here on a Sunday morning and praise God and love God and tell God how much you love them. And then three weeks later, can curse him. I can't believe I'm in this position. I can't believe this is happening to me. Where are you, God? Why are you not taking care of me? Out of the same mouth comes blessing, the scripture says, and cursing. What's true? What's true here in this moment? You were wounded. 
Yes, every one of us in this room has been wounded by someone or has wounded themselves. There is nobody in here that is so, in, well, maybe the baby's still innocent. But for the rest of us, we've been wounded at some time, point in time. But you believe the lie about yourself. And that lie led you to a coping mechanism that began to change in who you were by what you did. It changed you. Because you're not acting the way that you were created by God in that very good, innocent place. Now you're acting in defensive mode and you're negative and you're angry. I tell people you can change what you do, but you can't change who you are. When God made you, he knew exactly who you were and he made you in innocence. Sins changed you. See, what happens is you create, because of this wound and the lie and the vow, you create a false self. You create a person that God never created. And you lose sight of the true self that you are. So when we're wounded, we believe the lie it spoke, we create a vow to cope, and we become somebody that we don't even like. Because the truth is, if you're honest today, you don't like the person that sin has made you. Because you know deep down in your heart, God made you in innocence very good. Sin's changed you, but God made you very good. Again, please don't raise your hands, but I wonder how many of you would be honest and say, I've been looking for that person for a long time and I lost them a lot of years ago. I am not the person that God created and I know I'm not living in that personhood. If you're a teenager, let's just say you're 16 and under. Maybe you're a little older than that. Maybe you're 16 and under. You haven't had enough time to, to solidify your false self. So there's hope for you. There's hope for you. That's why I'm trying to reach you now. Because if you can get what I'm about to teach you figured out in your life, you can stay in that innocent place. You can stay in that place of being very good. You can be the person that God created you to be. But some of you have been in the wrong place for so long, it's going to take some work. We'll talk about what that work looks like in a minute. Because here's the thing. We were wounded, believed the lie, it spoke, created a vow to cope, became somebody we don't like. So what do we do? Realize that forgiveness is a pathway back to a life of innocence. You say, that's all you ever say is forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. Yes. That's the solution to every sinful problem that you've got is to be forgiven or to forgive. Scripture says, if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away, but all things have become new. Once my sins are forgiven and I learn to forgive the way that he forgives, then I don't have to live that, that old life. How did this happen for Adam and Eve? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the scripture says, The Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. So this is the first time we find an innocent lamb giving up his life to cover the sins of Adam and Eve. Cover the sins of mankind. This is a picture of Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, we need to allow the forgiveness of God to heal the pain of us through his love for you. We've been wounded, yes. But we became somebody that we didn't, didn't intend. 
And we need that innocence back. I want to be the person, exactly the person that God created me to be. And I got to start with forgiveness because forgiveness gives you your innocence back. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12 says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. When I come to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, my sins are remembered no more because of what he did for me on the cross. He doesn't hold my sins against me. He doesn't bring them up. He doesn't say, well, this is the new you. No, he says, no, let's get you back to that place of innocence. Remember when you first got saved and all your sins, you literally remembered like recognizing that your sins were forgiven and you were free and you were, that, you, you, were, you were happy for at least that three hours and then you fell back into that old sin pattern and started feeling bad about yourself and creating vows and false selves. And... See, innocence dwells where forgiveness, uh, in forgiveness that is born out of repentance. So you must repent of the sin that you participated in even though you did not do the wound. You got to reject the false self because it's not who you, created, who you were created to be. And I'll picture this in a minute. You need to repent of the vow because the vow doesn't heal your wound. It just creates more wounds. You refuse to believe the lie. The wound will speak to your pain, but not God's promise. And you need to react to God's way to the wound, accept forgiveness or forgive those who have wronged you. Huge statement. If you forgive the wound the moment that it happens, you believe no lie, create no vow, and stay the person God intended you to be. But the moment you do not forgive the wound, you believe the lie, create the vow, and you become somebody you never intended to be. You lose your innocence. You give your innocence up. Meaning you don't have to believe the lie. And you can allow the wound to heal. But you've got to turn from your false self and become the person God always intended you to be. This is a person God created that Satan sought to wound so deeply that you would never see yourself as God does. Satan does not want you to see yourself as God sees you. He wants you to see you in a, as a mess. He wants to wound you so greatly that you're, you'll never be that person that God made that said, you are very good. Are you with me? This is the person you know you are. And if you're really honest, you know for the most part, you're not living your life the way that you were created to live it because you're not living in innocence. You know, there's a person your spouse fell in love with that they lost sight of because of wounds. But deep down, they know there's goodness in you. They know there's something better in you than you're showing. But you can't see it because you believe believe the lie and made the vow and become a false self. So can I give you one simple warning and then we're going to get into the illustration? If you don't deal with your wounds, you'll pass them on to your children. And I don't care how old you are. If you do not deal with your wounds, if you do not get back to that place of innocence... And become the person that God created you to be. You will pass that, those traits on to your children. And they will think that they're acting out of, out of, out of your personhood. And yet you're acting out of a lie. So you ready? Ready to handle this? I'm going to use this board. And you're not going to be able to see half the stuff that's on it. But it's more for me than it is for you. 
If you decide to meet with me and Deborah, this board's going to become very painful and powerful to you. Some of these people have already been through this process. The wound is an act of Satan. So here's the wound. Here's the lie. Here's the vow. Here's the false self. Here's the true self. How do we get there? Let me just tell you my story. And my story might sound stupid. But I'll also say this. Not everyone is wounded the same way. Some of you are wounded like I can look at you funny and you'll be deeply wounded. Some of you, I have to say something really bad to you to get you to be deeply wounded. Some of you are so hard, there's nothing I can do or say that's going to wound you. But everyone is reacting, reacts different. So some wounds are, are just deeper than others and different than others. So I'm just going to give you mine. And this is just one of many. I've been wounded many times by human beings over the years. And I've wounded myself a lot. I could, I could deal with alcoholism and talk about how, how it wounded me and how I believe the lie and the vow and the false self and the true self with my alcoholism. But I don't have time to delve into that one yet. So let's just deal with the, the simple stuff. Are you okay? So my wound. When I was in first grade, when I was in first grade, my teacher said, do your paper, put it on the desk, and go play. Do your paper, put it on the desk, and go play. And I wanted to play. I wanted to play really bad. So I got my paper done. And it was actually a subject that I knew about. So I was really good. I was really happy. I was excited. So I got the paper done. And I put it on the desk, and I started to play. And the teacher from the back of the room said, Andy, you're not done. And by the way, back, this was back in the day when you said, yes, ma'am, and no, no, sir, and yes, sir, and no, ma'am, and all those I said, yes, yes, ma'am, I'm done. She said, no, you're not. I said, yes, ma'am. And I wasn't trying to argue with her because I, I knew better than to disrespect teachers. But I said, yes, ma'am, I'm done. She, she, so she walked up to the desk and looked at the paper. Now, have you ever, even at six years old, you can tell when somebody's looking at something and they know that they're wrong, but they're not going to tell you that they're wrong. So she said, nope, your paper's not done. And you're being disrespectful. So she brought me in front of the class, had me bend over, and paddled the fire out of me, because that's how they did it back in that day. Real paddles. Without holes in them. <laughs> the stinging ones. And what it taught me was this. How could I be wrong if I was right? Eight years old, um, I used to fuel up my dad's uh, logging equipment, so we would take 55-gallon drums of diesel fuel and we would hand-pump them into the equipment. And at eight years old, yes, it was slave labor. That's how it happened back in the day. Slave labor, hand-pump. No electric pumps like the wimps have today. You can't even get kids to use electric pumps today, but these are old hand. Anyway, that's a whole long story. So I knew to be careful with what goes in that tank because my dad's job relied upon it. And one day he calls me over and he says, Andy, who put that dirt in the tank? And I said, it wasn't me. I said, I, I didn't do it, sir. And he said, yes, you did. I said, no, sir, I didn't. I wouldn't have done that because I knew that that would have been wrong. So my dad, because that's how they did it back in the day, paddled the fire out of me. And what it taught me was, even if I'm right, even in my little eight-year-old brain, I realized, even if I'm right, I'm wrong. I went to a sixth-grade dance. This is 1975, 76, 74, a lot of hippies around. I went to a dance. 
And my friends walked outside, so I followed them to go outside to, to be with them, and I lost them, so I came back into the room. I came back into the room, and this hippie, not be negative towards hippies if there's hippies in the room. I'm just saying, just to give you a picture, this, this hippie counselor came up to me and said, you've been smoking. I said, <laughs> I said no, ma'am, I haven't been smoking. She said, you've been smoking. I can smell it. Well, maybe it came from outside. She said, nope, you've been smoking. So she didn't paddle me because by that time they stopped paddling you. So she just wrote me up, which I thought was a joke. But time and time and time again throughout my life, and this has happened more times than I could say, time and time and time again in my life, I was told that I'm wrong even if I'm right. So the wound for me was, I'm wrong even if I'm right. My handwriting's terrible, so this is for me. Satan was trying to get into me and he's trying to change me. The lie I believed, I am wrong. At sixth grade, I started to think about myself in that kind of terminology. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Because even if I'm right, I'm wrong. So it's no longer just that I'm doing wrong. It's that I am wrong. The lie that I was being told by the wound that happened to me was it didn't matter whether it was a teacher that I should have trusted, whether it was uh, my dad who I should have trusted, whether it was a counselor who should be trained to, 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 to find truth. Didn't help me. I was wrong. So I looked at myself in that negative light. And so I made a vow. My vow was I'll never let you see me be wrong. I'll never let you see me be wrong. I will always be right. Now you might think that's stupid, but the reality is, have you ever tried to be right all the time? In every relationship that you're in, you just try to be right. Like you have to be right. Even if you're wrong, you're going to fight to be right even if you're wrong because no one's going to catch you being wrong. No one's going to wound me like that again. No one's going to tell me the lie that I'm wrong. I'm not going to do that. I'll never let you see me be wrong. I'm going to be right every time. And it created somebody that God never intended. I became defensive. If I sniffed at the opportunity that you were taking to make me feel like I was wrong, I was going to fight you. I was constantly on guard against defending myself against those who would try to find wrong in me. That's not the person God created me to be, but it's the person that sin made me. You are not going to catch me being wrong, so I'm going to fight you if you start even thinking that I'm wrong. If, you, if words start coming out of your mouth to make me feel like I think that you're going to think that I'm wrong, I'm going to nail you to the wall. Not going to happen. Because you're not going to do this to me again, because this is what came from it, and I'm never going to let that happen again. So I became defensive. I became insecure. I became insecure. I was stressed over 
every experience I was having. Because I didn't want to be wrong, so I had to be right. I didn't want you to find me being wrong. So I always thought that you're thinking that I'm wrong. You weren't thinking about me at all. But I'm thinking that you're thinking that I'm thinking that you're thinking that. (laughs) So I'm fully insecure, which played into my alcoholism, which is a story for another day. I became apprehensive. I just talked to some teenagers who went to the prom. And I asked them if they danced. And they said yes. And I said, I will never dance at a, at a, at a dance ever. Because I don't want somebody telling me that my dancing is wrong. And now, the funny thing about dancing is it all looks stupid. <laughs> Even those of you that are good at it, you look like an idiot. You're doing it wrong. There's some aspect of it that you're doing wrong. You're not on Dancing with the Stars tr- 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 trying to play that game. Dancing's stupid. That's my insecurity and my defensiveness coming out. Can you see where I'm going with this? I wouldn't try things that I might embarrass myself from because I didn't want you to say that I was wrong. So there's things in life that I wouldn't even try. And I was apprehensive because if you catch me being wrong, I'm not going to put myself into a position where you're going to catch me being wrong. Not going to do it. Living my life with that kind of anxiety, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that was before the internet. I couldn't imagine being a teenager today with my problems. (laughs) Putting them on Facebook or TikTok or whatever they do now. I don't even know what they do. See, the problem with this is God did not create me to be defensive, insecure, and apprehensive. That's not who I am. If you know me, really know me, you know that's not who I am. But that's who I, how I operate a lot of the time because of this wound that happened to me. What did God create? i got to look at my notes because I should know that better. My true self is the opposite of defensive. I'm confident. Interesting thing about my confidence is you insecure people think I'm arrogant. Amen. I just wounded you, and we've got to start the process all over again. (laughs) I am confident. When I'm operating out of the person that God created me to be, I I have no fear, I have no shame, and I have no blame. When I'm operating out of my true self. I'm very secure. Again, makes you insecure people really struggle. I'm safe. I know God's going to take care of me. I I know my wife's going to take care of me. I know my church is going to take, I I know I'm very secure in that until I am caught being wrong. Then I become the false self. I'm at my core. My true self is I am a risk taker. Put an R on the end of that. You can't even read it. You can't see it. It's too far away from most of you anyway. I'm a risk taker. I take risks. I have no, I have no fear. I'll, I'll do all sorts of stuff that people will say, well, why are you doing that? I don't know. Let's just take a risk. Let's just do something fun. 
let's jump off a bridge that's 40 feet up and lands in a little tiny slot of water <laughs> with people floating by you. Get in a raft with guys three times the size of you that push you out and almost make you drown. That's awesome. Drop her hand on my false self. Not going to do it because you're not going to find me bubbling snot out my nose because I'm trying to keep myself from drowning. But my true self is this. Confident, secure, risk taker. That's how God created me. That's in my innocence. That's who I am. That's the person my wife met when she first married me. When she fell in love with me, she fell in love with this person. She did not fall in love with a defensive, insecure, apprehensive guy. But I wonder how many times my kids have seen this guy, the false self, than the true self. See, here's the thing that I'm going to share that's the greatest truth you'll ever hear regarding, to your, true, regarding your true self. If you're wounded, if you're wounded, you immediately forgive this. This never happens. This never happens. This never happens. This stays in place. If the moment that I am wounded by you or anyone else, if I immediately go to forgiveness, the lie dies, the vow's dead, the false self never becomes true, and the true self stays in li- alive. But I've got to forgive. Now, when you're younger, you didn't know that. You, you didn't know that that was the process. You were just trying to deal with the wound, and you're trying to not get wounded again, and it, be, it created somebody different than you ever expected to be. You didn't know you were losing this person until you turned 28, 29, 30, and went, what happened to the person that I was when I was a kid, when I was happy, when I had peace, when I had joy, when I had comfort, when everything was very good? See, if when you're wounded, you immediately begin the process of forgiveness. You never hear the lie because it dies with forgiveness. You never hear the vow because the vow is born out of a lie that dies with forgiveness. You never create a false self because that person was made out of a vow, born out of a lie, created, crafted by Satan that came from a wound. And if you forgive, there's never a false self. In fact, you can go back to the person God created you to be and you can live your life naked and not ashamed. Because that's the goal of Jesus is to get us back to that place where we're naked and not ashamed. That's what God intends. He wants us back in that garden where we're walking with him in the cool of the day and we're not ashamed. We're not, we're not different. We're the person that God created us to be. But because no one ever told you that, now you must work through the process of recognition of what is true and what is false about yourself. And that's why if teenagers get this truth down today, you don't have to be this person for very long. Or oops, this person for very long. You can stay the person God created you to be. And some of you, I'll guarantee you, wish that when you were teenagers, you heard what I'm teaching today on what God can do for you to get you back to that person that he created you to be. Nobody ever told you that you need to repent out of creating, creating a person born out of a lie. Because that's really what has to happen. To, to get back to dealing with this, you've got to repent of this. Every time I feel defensive, I've got to repent because it's a lie. It's not true. 
It's not the person God created. Every time I feel insecure, I've got to go back there and say, no, 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 that's a sin because God did not create me insecure. Every time I feel apprehensive, I got to go back and say, God, that's a sin that I'm apprehensive because I, I got to repent of that. That's not the person you created me to be. The wound didn't make the false self. The wound didn't make the vow. The wound didn't make the lie. I did. The wound started the process, but if I would have forgiven that wound, then none, none of the other stuff would have happened. Are you with me? So when I feel defensive, insecure, apprehensive, I got to recognize that is sin. God did not create me that way. That's wrong. I got to go back to the person God created. He made me confident, secure, and a risk taker. Every time I believe this vow, I'll never let you see me be wrong. I got to repent of that. Because that was born out of a lie. And I got to say, that's wrong. It's wrong to run around thinking that I can't be wrong. Because I can be wrong. I'm so screwed up in this that I will claim to be wrong so that you don't catch me being wrong, even if I'm not wrong. How wrong is that? Amen? I'll apologize for stuff that you do just so you can't catch me being wrong. How screwed up is that? And I got to repent of that all the time. Because it's sin. God did not create me to be right all the time. God did not create you to be right all the time. God did not create us to be perfect. He created his son to be perfect so we can in him be perfect. Every time I think this lie, I got to repent. I'm not wrong. I may do wrong things at times. I may say wrong things at times. I may act wrong at times. I am not wrong. God did not make me that way. And I don't care what you say. He never made me that way. He made me innocent. Very good. And Jesus Christ brought me back to that. So I got to do the painful work of forgiving this. But this I've got to repent of. I did not do that. But I don't think my teacher intended to, do, to hurt me that way. I don't think my dad realized what he was doing when he did what he did. I'll guarantee you the counselor had no clue what she was doing. She just thought I was smoking. <laughs> and it would make sense that a sixth grader would go out to smoke. I mean, it's just a whole other story for another day. I fight this battle every day. I fight for the true self that God created me to be. That Jesus Christ gave his life that I might become. What is one of the wounds in your life that has changed everything for you? Where was innocence lost? You didn't do that. I'm just going to tell you, you did not do that. And if you did, you didn't understand what you were doing. Because I could put alcoholism in here. Nobody wounded me with alcohol. I chose to do that. And I believed a lie and made a vow and created a false self. And it blinded the true self, which I'm just not going to go into today because of time. You did not wound yourself, but you believed the lie. Stop blaming other people for you believing the lie. Because it's not true. When God made you, he made you very good. 
When God made Eve, he made her very good. When God made Satan, he actually made him very good. He's the one that took it the wrong way. Are you with me? What's one of the wounds that changed you? It changed everything. It took your innocence away. I couldn't imagine some of the things that you guys have experienced in your life that you were such, you, you thought, my parents will never separate. They'll always be together. And then they get divorced. And now you don't believe in marriage because of what they went through and the wound that you received. But you believe the lie that marriage is bad. You made the vow to never get married and created this false self that says you can be single and now you're alone and you're mad at everybody because you're lonely. Amen. Woo! I can tell you're excited about this. Some of you have been wounded sexually and your innocence was lost. But you believe the lie that you're not valuable because that's not true. But you believe the lie. And you made the vow. And whatever the vow is. And created this false self that God never intended you to be. So at this moment, what's the one thing you'd have to do to begin your journey back to the place of grace? You gotta find this person again. Just find this person and go with the opposite. Just that's uh, it's all Satan's not as smart as you think he is. He just takes your strengths and makes it a weakness. So just find this person and then change it to find out who this person is. And then repent of this person because this person God didn't create. You created him. You created her. Repent of this vow. It was born out of a lie. It's not keeping you safe. It's probably added more pain to your life than you've ever imagined. Trying to be right all the time has not made my life easier. It's made it more difficult than, than it's imaginable. It doesn't make sense that I try to be right all the time. Be defensive of people that aren't even thinking about me. Be insecure. Apprehensive. I should be a dancer. I was raised in the mid-70s when disco was king. But I'm still, I was still thinking, I was going to do some moves. I'm afraid to do moves because, no, no, you're not going to catch me being wrong. Huh? You're not wounding me. Can you see what I'm saying? That's how deep that goes. That's how deep that goes. Jesus, through the forgiveness of my sins, created a pathway back to innocence. He became the way. Jesus is the way. His healing of my brokenness began when I recognized that my sin changed me. When I repented on my part, living a lie through a vow that was a lie. When I became responsible for forgiving those who wronged me, I become responsible for forgiving this my dad, my teacher, my counselor. Because then this just all went away. 
Let me find some. Because if I forgive this, this never happens. This never happens. This never happens. All I'm left with is that. And it set me on a path of reconciliation with God and to be the real me. I am now this person. At least I fight to be this person. And I've been doing this for 60 years, doing this life for 60 years and been fighting this one wound. And I've got multiple wounds that I've got to process through this. If somebody would have told me this as a teenager, I would have lived a totally different life. I would have lived, I would have been that guy all the time. Could you imagine me that way 24 hours a day, seven days a week? You would hate me as a pastor. But that's who I am. That's who God made me to be. That's in innocence, that's who I am. But sin tried to change me. I could have been healed of hurts that have long played a part in me knowing that I was not living the good life that God promised in the garden. I could have been living just this amazing life but I lived it in this false self and the false self sucks. I could have been the real me created by God that was very good. Is that the person you want to be? You want to get back to that person? Maybe you're the one person in the room that has actually been living that life. Praise God for you. Because you figured it out that if you just learn to forgive, the lie dies, the vow never comes to pass, there is no false self, and you just become the true self that you, you were created to be, and you live in innocence. But most of us have been wounded, and we didn't know what to do with it. We didn't know how to process it. We just believed what it said to us. And we created a vow to protect ourselves because nobody else would protect us. And it made a person we never intended to be. I was wounded, believed the lie, made the vow, lived most of my life as a person God never intended me to be. But through Christ, I've got to see the real me. And I fight every day to be him. Would you join me in that? Let's stand. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I, I know that for some of the people in this room, this is going to take more than just a Sunday morning message. And, and for some of the people online, it's going to take more than just a Sunday morning message. And Father, I am willing, as not just a pastor, but as a Christian, to do everything I can to fight the wiles of Satan. And help these people find their way back to the person that you created them to be. If they can't do it on their own, I am more than happy, more than willing to give them the time that it takes to process the pain that they've experienced in their life that made them a person that they never intended to be. Because I believe that there is freedom in Jesus Christ. I believe forgiveness brings us back to that place where we're naked and not ashamed, where I don't have to believe a lie 
continue to live with a wound, make up vows and become this person that you never intended me to be. But it all starts with us. So Father, open the hearts of these people today to seek your face and to ask you to help them recognize the false self that's in them. And Father, maybe they need to start with the wound and work backwards or maybe they need to start with the false self and move the other way. I'm not not sure what's best for them. But I know I'm not the only one in this room that struggles with not being the person you created me to be. That there are people in this room that have lost their innocence in probably more graphic and more difficult ways than I could ever imagine. Come out of hiding. But I know you're a God that saves and forgives and puts us back on that path of innocence. And all we need to do is forgive and repent. Repent, seek forgiveness. And forgive those who've hurt us. Let it go, let it go. Help us, Father, please. In Jesus we pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If the Lord's touched your heart this morning. You need to speak to him at this altar. Come ahead. Come out of Bring your wounds. Bring your wounds. Lay them up here. Just lay them on this altar. This is a wound that happened to me and it changed everything in me. It changed me forever. And I didn't believe there was hope of getting that dealt with until today. Come on, bring your wound. Come running to me. My parents, my parents hurt me. Maybe they didn't know they were doing it, but they hurt me, and I, I need to deal with that parent wound. I was abused by somebody that I trusted. Help me heal from that hurt to reject the lie that I am worthless. To throw out the vow that I'll just stay away from people. And get rid of this person that I don't even like them. have to live with a false self. You don't have to be that person. You don't have to live with a hurt. You don't have to be a person that you know God did not make you to be. You don't have to be that person anymore. But you need to repent of your part. very good you've got your reasons but I hold your peace God made you very good sin changed you you've been all locked down and I hold the key I loved you before you knew it was love I saw it 
Let your true self come out of hiding. And I will illuminate everything. frightened by intimacy. God loves you. Just throw off your fear and come running to me. Come on. Because I loved you before. You knew it was love. And I saw it all. Still I chose the cross. You were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Now rid of the shackles, my victory. I tore the veil for you to come close There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore You're not far from home Guys, right there, you're so close to healing from the hurt that happened to you. You're so close to feeling... Life is very good. What hindered love will only become part of your story as you run. What hindered love will only become part of your story as you run. What hindered love will only become part of your story There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from home. I loved you before. You knew it was love. I saw it all. Still, I chose the cross. You were the one that I was thinking of when I rose from the grave. Now, rid of the shackles. My victory is yours. Come on, be free. I tore the veil for you to come close. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. You're not far from home. There's no reason to stand at a distance anymore. There's no reason to hide. Be the person God created, the person that's very good.
gracious Heavenly Father, we need you today. We need your healing from hurts that have happened over our history. Whether they were hurts that happened at the hands of others, whether they were hurts that happened at the hands of ourselves, we need to be the person you created us to be. We need to see that person. Give us a vision of that person again that we lost because of the hurt and the hatred and the hardness of life. Don't make us wait till we get to heaven to see the handiwork of God in our lives. Because you made us very good. Help us to find that person again. And Jesus, we pray and all God's people said, before you leave, let me give you an email address. It is prob490 at gmail.com. Let me read it one more time. P-R-O-B, that's P-Rob, that's Pastor Roberts. So it's just P-Rob, 490, that's the church address. 490, you've got to forgive 490 times if you're going to come to church here in a day. P-Rob490 at gmail.com. If you want to schedule an appointment, I'm more than happy to meet with you. Deborah and I will meet with you. Uh, it's going to take a couple of weeks, so um, just email me and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So uh, let me pray one, one last time. Can we do that? Father, heal this room. Heal this room in such a way that the world doesn't know what to do with us as we leave this place. I couldn't imagine if everyone in this room started being their true self, how different their families would be, how different their marriages would be, how different their world would be, how different the church would be. Heal us of those hurts so we can see the handiwork of God. We love you so in Jesus. We pray and all God's people said. Guys, thanks for coming today. Have a great day. If you want a copy of that sheet, it's up here. And there's one at the information.